Good morning. My name is Justin Crow. I'm one of the pastors here at Miss Church. Uh, thank you all for being here. Uh, thank you for allowing me to preach this morning. It is always a great joy of mine. So uh, on behalf of myself, uh, Pastor Eric, Pastor Todd, and everyone who calls Mission Church their church home, welcome and thank you for being here. So as we've already stated, we will be continuing through 1 Timothy. Um, if you are new to Mission Church, we preach through books of the Bible, so if it gets to parts that we don't like, we have to preach those anyway. If we get to uh, parts like today that don't exactly apply to our current setting, uh, we are going to preach through those anyway because we believe and we know that every bit of Scripture points to Jesus, and that's what we want to do here. So just as a recap, very, very briefly, what we see here in First Timothy is that Paul has left Ephesus. So he planted the church at Ephesus. We looked at that a few months ago over about a year span or maybe a little more through the book of Ephesians. Paul plants the church. He leaves the church, leaves it to Timothy after he has discipled him and pastored him in the faith. He says, Timothy, here you go. Uh, since he left, surprise, surprise, church people started acting crazy and things started going awry. Okay? So Timothy's like, what do I do? Paul is like, I got you, bro. Let me tell you what you do. So he simply reminds Timothy of this. This is what the first couple of chapters are about. The gospel must be at the center of everything that you do. That's what he reminds him of. The gospel of Jesus is and forever will be the intent of church planning, of ministry, of evangelism, of everything that we do as a church. That is the intent. That is what is at the center. That is what we are all about and what we are doing. Paul reminds Timothy of that. I am reminding us and myself of that as well. But this is what we are doing. So Paul warns Timothy that you can't just preach the gospel and expect everything to, to not go awry. So you got to handle those. False teachers come in, you got to handle those. You got to tell them that they are false teachers. You got to obviously try to draw them to repentance. But if not, you have to at least, at the very least, warn your people there are false teachers that are preaching a gospel that is not the true gospel. So we must be aware of that. They will try to distort the message, but we cling to the truth that Christ Jesus came to save sinners. This is why He was sent here. This is why we are sent everywhere as the church of Jesus. This is the true mission of mission. So if you're wondering why you're here this morning, if you're wondering why we gather every Sunday, why we take the time to set up these chairs and set up all of this stuff, why we do all of this, that's why. Because the gospel is at the center of everything that we do. And we want to make the name of Jesus known. We want to teach under His authority. We want to preach under His authority. We want to set up chairs under His authority. We want to do all of these things under His authority because He is the only way, the only truth, the only life. He is the only way of salvation for lost sinners. Now why do I repeat all of that? Why do we repeat all of that every week? Mainly because we tend to forget even pastors tend to forget. We get wrapped up in the goings-on of our lives or our church or our families or the thing, and we just, it's not that we don't agree with it anymore. We just forget that that's why we do everything that we do. So we need to be reminded. But secondly, because like I said, we're in a portion of Scripture today, while I agree it is extremely important because it's in here, so it must be important, it doesn't apply to us as Mission Church. Raise your hand in here if you have been appointed a deacon. Nobody? What? Wait a minute. What? It's true. We don't have deacons here. 
We have not appointed deacons. We have not formalized that process. Not that we are against it. We are not, we're not against having deacons. We have just not formalized that process yet. So we, we wholeheartedly anticipate that eventually we will. But right now, we do not have deacons. So why are we preaching this? The reason we still preach this is because we think that it paints a broader picture of Jesus, not because it just applies to our current setting, but it points to Jesus Christ and the gospel of Jesus. You see here, nowhere in the text and nowhere really in Scripture that I can see does the Bible tell us that you must have deacons in your church. It is not a command that you absolutely have to have them. The command is, if you're going to have them, this is what they are to be like. This is what they are to look like. These are the people. Now, it is highly encouraged by Scripture. It is highly encouraged here in this text and in other texts because deacons and people that serve are extremely pivotal in a church's ministry, in the life of a church, in any kind of ministry experience. Servants are extremely important. So they are highly encouraged. Now we will discuss a couple of the qualifications in depth today um, so that we can understand them. But we will, we will try to take uh, more of our time and again point to, to Jesus. Uh, I want to refer back to the beginning of this sermon. The reason why that we do this is to further the gospel. So as you think through today, as you think through, because some of this is very luxury. It's not our typical theological sermon here. It, it is, we got to go through a few terms. We got to do this. But as you do this, I want you to ask the question is, how does the office of deacon or even the life of a servant reflect Christ and proclaim the gospel? Because that is what we're after. That is what we are getting to today. And one thing is for sure, that is the point. We can be assured that through these texts, just like elders, God is far more concerned with who deacons are than what deacons do. Who elders are and not what elders do. Who servants are and not what they do. God is always and forever more concerned with your heart than your actions. Now your action needs to line up with your heart, absolutely. But God knows that that will pretty much happen. If your heart is truly in tune, truly turned towards Jesus, truly worshiping Him, your actions will follow. So God is more concerned with who deacons are than what they do. Now, as you read through this list, you may notice if you paid attention last week, or if you listened to it online, or even if you just read the text, you may notice that the list of qualifications for elder and deacon overlap quite a bit. Okay, so they may not use the exact same words, but deacons are to be dignified. Elders are to be respectable. Basically the same, same term there. Deacons are not addicted to much wine. Elders are not a drunkard. Basically the same. Not greedy, not a lover of money. Clear conscience, sober-minded. Deacons are to be tested. Elders are not recent converts. Deacons are to be blameless. Elders are above reproach. Husband of one wife, husband of one wife. Manage your household well, manage your household well. All of those overlap. Does that mean a deacon and an elder are the same? No. One of the main differences you see here is able to teach is not on the list for deacon. Now, please hear me. This doesn't mean if you're a deacon you can't teach. It just means you can be a, te a deacon without ha being able to teach. So if that's just not in your wheelhouse, you can be a deacon. Or if you just don't want to. You don't want to really teach. That's just not your thing. You can still be a deacon. 
It's just not required of a deacon, even though it is obviously allowed that if you are a deacon and you are a qualified teacher and your church says you can teach, then you can teach. But what is required and what we do see here in the text is that they have a firm grasp on the gospel. This is seen in verse 9. It says they must hold the mystery of the faith. Now it goes on to say with a clear conscience. But what is this hold the mystery of the faith? This word mystery is one of Paul's favorites to use when referring to the gospel. He uses it to portray the complete incomprehensibility of a good, faithful, holy God sending a good, perfect, holy son to die for imperfect, unholy sinners like you and me. It's a mystery. It's not a mystery like we don't know what happened. It's a mystery like, goodness gracious, that seems too good to be true. It's a mystery to think, why would God love us to the extent of sending His Son? It really is a mystery that God, for His own glory, would love mankind to that extent. So he uses this word over and over in his writings, and he's saying here, deacons must have a firm grasp on that. They must be able to parse that out, to point people to the gospel. If someone has a question, they need to be able to answer that, even if they're not in a teaching setting. If someone comes up to a deacon of a church and goes, hey, I really kind of think I might want to become a Christian. What does that look like? And he's like, I don't know, go ask an elder. Not a deacon. <laughs> okay? He has to be able to parse that out and to do that on his own and have a firm grasp of that. This is the biggest reason, this ability to teach is the biggest reason more people are qualified to be deacons than elders because they have to be able to teach and they have to have a desire to teach. There are probably people in this room that could get up here and preach better than Pastor Eric, myself, Pastor Todd, but they just don't want to. Now, I would ask the question why if you really are able to do that, but you just don't want to. If you don't have the desire to teach, then you probably should not aspire to be an elder because it's, again, on the list. But being a deacon... And not having to teach does not mean that it is a lesser position in value. This doesn't mean that, oh, you're, you're an elder. Oh, you're a deacon. Hmm. I'm sorry. Could you, not, could you not get to... Y'all remember a few years ago, Willie Taggart was the coach of Western Kentucky, and he got in trouble because he was like, well, these people wearing the UK shirts probably couldn't get into UK. And everybody was like, oh, maybe, maybe you shouldn't have like insulted the school you work for by saying, that's not what we're doing here. We're not saying... Well, you probably couldn't become an elder, so you settled for deacon. Not at all. Deacons are extremely pivotal. They simply have less responsibility to teach and lead. And here's the thing. If I'm going to get myself into trouble, it's right here. Okay, Not by this body of believers, but other bodies of believers. This is, uh, this is where lots of... We'll, we'll just stick with our own peeps here. This is where lots of Southern Baptist churches get it wrong. In far too many churches, the deacons are given way too much authority and power to make decisions, to vision cast. Like Pastor Eric made a joke last week, you can't even send an email without going to the deacon board and asking, can I, can I send this? Is, this? is this okay? Nowhere in Scripture do we see this. Now this does not mean that one elder should make all the decisions, or even a plurality of elders like we have here should make all of the decisions unchecked with no checks and balances in place, nobody to call us out, surround ourselves with yes men because that way we know we always get our way. That is not what Scripture is pointing to here at all. I would say the closest thing we have to deacons at the current moment at Mission Church is what we call the finance team. Most of them aren't in here. There's a couple, but most of them are doing other things uh, this morning in kids. But 
This is where we come together for a monthly meeting to talk about the finances of the church. The pastors attend, but are always outnumbered purposefully. There's two pastors, there's three other votes in the room. That way we can't just, well, this is what we want. We overpower the vote. Three to two, sorry about it. It's the other way around, and we do that on purpose. We need them to look at things in a different way that we may not be seeing. We need their perspectives. This is what deacons do, even though they're not called deacons at the finance team. This is what they are, this is how they serve the church and propel the gospel forward so that we're not spending the money here when we shouldn't, or we're not allocating funds to something that doesn't really matter. They are able to look at the whole picture. But here's the thing. Their decision-making assistance, one, is just that. It's assistance. And two, it does not seep over into matters of the church outside of finances. So if we are talking about bringing on a new elder, let's, when Pastor Todd came on, we did not go to the finance team because he is unfairly not paid. But we, we didn't need finances allocated to that. So we didn't go to the finance team and say, hey, can we afford this $0 salary over here to pay Pastor Todd? No, that was a decision we were able to make uh, on our own because we didn't need finances. So again, I, I don't want to overstep, but deacons are just not given that authority in Scripture. Decision-making authority is not given to them. It doesn't list it on the list. Nowhere else in Scripture do you see deacons overpowering the elders or overpowering the body of believers and doing just whatever they want. But too many times we see every decision, meaningful or not, have to go through a deacon board or a deacon committee or these things. And Mission Church is an elder-led church. That's what we've always called ourselves. It's on our website. So if you're like, what? It's been public for a long time. Okay, We're an elder-led church. Not because we want more power. Trust me, I'd have given plenty of it back over the past couple of months, okay? But not because we want more power, but because it's what we see in Scripture and we want to be as close to Scripture as we possibly can at this church. That's why we have three qualified men. Some of you may question whether I'm qualified sometimes. No one ever questions whether Pastor Todd is. So we've got that to outweigh each other, okay? But we, we are... Three qualified men to step into that role because they fit the qualifications we see at the beginning of chapter 3. Okay, As I said before, while it is wise, I do not see anywhere in Scripture where deacons are commanded. And if they are set to run the church, they would probably be commanded. Okay, it seemed, If that seems too harsh, you can come talk to someone besides me after church. So why appoint deacons? Okay? So we're going to look at why we appoint them, who can be appointed, all of those things. Some of this, again, is going to be kind of luxury. I apologize, but we've got to do it. First, who can be a deacon? This is just like the topic of who can be an elder. It's controversial. There's some churches that absolutely believe this way. Some believe this way. They are both basing their decision on what they see in Scripture so they can back up their argument one way or another. So let me just state at our, our stance at Mission Church from the outset that way, there's no question. This is where we, we as the pastors of Miss Church, believe that Scripture affirms women can be deacons. Okay? So men, obviously, and women, obviously, can be deacons. We think it's obvious in Scripture. Therefore, once we begin appointing this office, because it is a church office, if there are women that want to do it, that's key, and there are women that meet these qualifications, we will appoint women or deaconesses here at Mission Church. 
Where do we see Scripture affirm this? First, in the text today. If you are reading out of the ESV, which most of you probably are because that's what we use and also what we pass out on the pews. But if you're reading the text today, verse 11 in the ESV says, their wives likewise. Now, first, the word there in the original language, there is no real word for possessive pronouns like that. There's no, pronouns not the word, but you get what I'm saying. There's no word for there, okay? It's not like English where we have 50 words that sound the same and you got to go there. They are, okay, the apostrophe goes here because the A is missing and no one ever gets it right on Facebook, I can tell you that. But their wives, likewise, in the original language would not have been there. It was just the word for women, okay? It just would have said women here. If that is the case, then this is simply referring to women and not the wives of male deacons then this simply means that women who aspire to be deacons or deaconesses have to likewise fit the criteria that is listed here in verses 8 through 13. Look at verse 8. It says, likewise, deacons likewise must be dignified. Now look at verse 11. It says their wives, but remember that might say women or does say women in the original language. Women likewise. This word likewise is used in verse 8 to say, hey, we're switching topics here from elder to deacon. I think it is likewise used. Eh, see what I did there? Okay, Likewise used to say, right here is another caveat. We are switching topics again from male deacons to women deacons or women who aspire to be deacons. They must also fit these qualifications. Now, I will say that verse alone would not convince me. That's just one, one part of it. But secondly, if you'll turn with me to just real quick, Romans chapter 16. So Romans chapter 16, verse 1, there it says, to you, says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, not from friends, our sister Phoebe, a servant of, of the church at Sincre, that you may welcome her in the Lord. Now, why did I just have you read a verse about deacons that doesn't have the word deacons in it? Let me explain. Many other translations have the word, and up until recently, I thought the ESV had this word in there, but you learn something every week when you prepare for a sermon. But it's, instead of the word servant, it says deaconess there. So it would say, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deaconess of the church at Sincre. The word Pastor Todd's going to get me here, but diakonos, it's Greek. I went to college, whatever. That word is where we get the word deacon, but it's the word means servant. Deacon is just kind of an alliteration of diakonos, sounds like deacon, so we're going to use that word as well. But deacon, diakonos in Greek means servant. This is what is rendered here in the ESV. Here is why I think it should actually say deaconess. Phoebe is referred to here as the servant of, of the church at Sincre. So they, they add that on at the end. This implies that she very clearly belongs to a specific local body of believers. It also means that she serves a specific role in that church or she wouldn't be mentioned. She is known as that. She is referred to as that. So the word diakonos, even though it means servant, is used 20 other, 28 other times in the New Testament. Every other time it means servant, it doesn't say anything about a local church. 
It doesn't say anything about a local body of believers or a region. It usually says servant of the Lord, diakonos of the Lord. It never other any other time specifically says servant of the church at so-and-so. This to me implies that she is fulfilling a, a specific role, that she is kind of in an office at that church. That's why they mention that she is there. Okay, So every other time the word is used, it just says servant of the Lord or servant, period. Thirdly, we see in other texts, the word deacon is not necessarily used, but Acts chapter 9, we see Dorcas doing very deacon-like things. In Acts chapter 16, we see Lydia doing very deacon-like things. Later in Romans 16, there are two other women that I can't pronounce and not even going to try, but they're doing very deacon-like things. Okay? So again, we believe as your pastors, based upon Scripture, that deacons can be men or women. As long as, and this is very key, that the church operates within a model that the deacons do not have authority. Reason for that is one, I don't believe the deacons should be given authority anyway, but two, based on chapter 2, verse 12, women are not allowed to have authority over men. So if the deacons are given authority and there are men in the church, chances are there are, then you are now breaking a different mandate given earlier in Scripture. You have to take the whole of God's Word together. Okay, so a woman can be deacon over essentially anything because it's not an authority position. So that answers who, I hope. But that answers who, but why? Why do we need deacons at all? Now I want you to think of a time that you went to a restaurant and you just had like over-the-top good service. Like you remember this person to this day. Like, man, that dude or that girl, like really went out of her way to take care of us. She, we never had to ask for a refill. Like the appetizers were right on time when they were hot, but not too hot. They were like, it was just perfect the whole time. I would be willing to bet that you remember the reason you were thinking that person is because you never had to ask for anything. They saw a need and they fulfilled it. They, they weren't overbearing or around too much. We've all been there, right? Had that waiter that's just, just there a little too much. Like, you feel like they're in your party. And don't even get me started about the waiters that come and, like, sit down with you to take your order. I'm like, look, I'm friendly and all. But we ain't, this, this ain't how we roll in, in this party. Okay? Now, if we ask them to sit down, fine. But the people that just assume, or the people that have, like, the 30 pieces of flair on when they're only required to have five, right? They just, they have all the slogans and the sayings down, and you're like, I, we get it. You work at O'Charlie's. It's the place for fun, food, whatever. Like, we've all been there, okay? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the people that were just perfect. They were just there when you needed them, not there when you didn't need them. But that, those are the ones that you remember. The reason I paint this picture is because this is the picture we see of deacons in Scripture. They see a need. They fulfill it. They're always there. They're ready to serve. Their answers never really know. Okay, this is why we see Deacons are not to be double-tongued. That's another uh, qualification of deacons that's not on the list of elders. Double-tongued simply means you mean what you say. You live up to what you say. Do not tell someone you're going to take care of something and then you fail to do so. We've all had that waiter too, right? Hey, uh, can I just get like more bread? Yep, right on it. And they are enthusiastically right on it. And I'm still waiting for that bread to this day. Like I've not eaten it because they never brought it. And they never apologized either. They just didn't bring it, didn't show up. 
That's being double-tongued. Yep, I'll get it. Not getting it. Say you were going to do it, and then do it. Nothing would frustrate an elder more is if they needed something, you said you're going to do it, a week later, it hasn't been done because you didn't do it. Trust me, I'm not even a deacon, and I've been in this sho- these shoes with Pastor Eric when he told me to do it. And I'll, uh, yep, totally forgot that. Doesn't mean that mistakes won't happen. But if you are known as a person that says, yep, I'll do it, and you're not doing it, deacon is not for you. Just set up chairs, and we will lovingly allow you to lie to us when you tell us you're going to take care of things and not do them. Okay? Double-tongued. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't be a liar. Obviously, this does not mean that elders are allowed to be double-tongued and they're allowed to lie and be hypocrites either, even though it's not on their list. Elders are called to be above reproach, so that would be included in that. But the nature of a deacon is that they are taking care of things that are outside of the weekly norms. They're outside of the things that we are going to do every week no matter what, the things that pop up or the things that, that we weren't expecting that take away the attention from what we are set to do in preaching the Word. We see this played out most clearly in Acts chapter 6. If you would, turn with me there. Acts chapter 6, we'll look at verses 1 through 6. I'll go ahead and start reading. But Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the Word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will, de- we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and then some other guys. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. You notice I can only pronounce Stephen and Philip. Everybody got that right? Okay, awesome. So what do we see here? We see that a church had begun. It was functioning like a church should. The community was taking care of the needs of other people in the community. That's what church does. That's what family does. Everything seemingly was going along pretty well. But in possibly the first ever church dispute, it seemed to be pretty heated because it rose all the way to the level of the 12 12 main disciples. It says that the 12 were brought into the mix over food distribution, over the widows not being... These widows are being taken care of better than these widows, and we don't like that, basically. Okay, So the first ever deacons were appointed. Now, I know the word wasn't there, but this is, trust me, these are deacons. Okay, We look here, though, in verse 4, why were they appointed? So that the disciples could focus all of their attention to preaching the word and to prayer. This is ultimately, again, what sets apart elders from deacons. This, this is what deacons are serving to do so that the elders can then focus their attention on the preaching of the word and on prayer. Now, this does not mean elders can't wait tables. I absolutely think that they should. This also does not mean that deacons cannot teach or pray. This is not a mutually exclusive thing. This is, this is why deacons are important, so that it can then allow elders to focus on preaching the word and prayer. Elders serve in that way. That is their service. You don't Pay me to pray. I'm going to do that anyway. 
You don't pay me to preach. Again, I'm going to do that as long as Pastor Rick allows me to. Pay me. You don't, that's not what you pay us for. We, we want to gospel everything in the life of the church. That is what we, we want to spread the word even when we're not up here in the pulpit. We want to pray for you specifically because we know things that other people may not know. We want to serve in that way. Deacons serve as well, but in different capacities, on different levels. Elders teach. Deacons uphold, assist, and propel the preached message. Elders are more in the spotlight. Deacons are more behind the scenes. Elders are called by God. Deacons are, yes, they're called by God to be a Christian, but deacons are men and women that see a need and they fulfill it. Just like a good server at a restaurant. They see a need, they fulfill it. We've mentioned this before, but we do not, and this is not an excuse or uh, that it's not wrong, we do not have a thriving women's ministry here. Katie Dindy and a couple other ladies saw that that was needed. They said, hey, we're going to read through this book. Let's just read through this book together. Let's get together every Tuesday. Elders went to her, said, hey, do you need anything? She said, nope, which we like. And they meet every other Tuesday. So if you need any questions asked about that, Katie Dindy, who's not here today with sick kiddos. But Katie is not necessarily a deacon, but that's very deacon-like. Saw a need, didn't expect the elders to take care of it all, didn't expect the elders to really do anything other than pray for them, and that, that is still going to this day. So we see that deacons were first instituted in order to simply serve the needs of the congregation. In this case, in Acts chapter 6, it was distributing food to those in need, waiting tables. So why have deacons? Is it just for waiting tables? No, that's a specific instance. To serve the needs of the body. Mercy ministry, as it's called many times. Visiting people in the hospital. Checking on someone who's just had a baby. Checking on someone who's had a loss in the family. All of these things. However, in a church plant, there's seemingly never ending, a never-ending supply of distractions or things that kind of need attention that we may or may not have time or, or the ability to look at. Uh, just yesterday, I could have used a deacon of broken jack handles and a deacon of why the heck can't Jonathan and I figure out this computer. So if anybody wants that deacon role, we'll take it because we were here and then right when Eric showed up, which we wish he, we, we didn't have to call him, right before he got here, we figured it out. All right, happens that way every time. All right. This means, though, if there is, if needed, there can be a deacon of technology. There can be a deacon of hospitality. There can be a deacon of setup, in our case, if they are over the whole ministry. Okay, they're a deacon of security because we, we may need security. Right now, not telling you who, there's probably somebody in here that has some security strapped to them at some point. Okay, So they're not the deacon of security, but they're securing you whether you know it or not if the church need it needs it and it is big enough need that would help the elders of the church concentrate more on the preaching of the word and it propels the gospel forward there can be a deacon for it however there's two catches here one we do not need a deacon for every little thing i'm the deacon of this chair you can be the deacon of that chair because i'm gonna set that one up every week it's the one with the wax stain on it from easter three years ago Okay, we don't need a deacon of every little thing. That setup, while tiring, is not a distraction because we know that's coming every Saturday. There's a group assigned to it. We know that's coming every week. So we don't need a, a deacon just because you serve in a normal church role. This means if you're serving in that capacity, thank you, you're serving in that capacity. 
doesn't mean we have to have a deacon of every last little thing. Easiest way to remember it, a thought of the day. Deacons are not uncles. I know you're thinking, what the heck are you talking about? You ever notice when somebody has a kid, everybody becomes the uncle of that kid, right? Oh, here you go. Oh, here's Uncle Justin. I'm just visiting you in the hospital. Like, I barely know you, but all of a sudden I'm an uncle. Like, you can't just start passing that out to everybody. Same thing. We're not going to just start passing that out to deacons, okay? Deacons are not uncles. Only thing you are going to remember today. That's fine. Deacons are to serve the church's needs as they arise in an official capacity. A deacon is an official church office. But there is no reference to once a deacon, always a deacon in Scripture. That I was, well, I've been a deacon for 50 years, so I'm just going to remain being a deacon. There's not necessarily that. Once we don't have to set up anymore, we wouldn't need a deacon of set up. Okay? Or once we progress past needing this particular deacon, that means you're not a deacon anymore because according to Scripture, it seems that deacons are for a specific time and a specific purpose. If you're just a deacon in general, I don't necessarily see that in Scripture. Deacon of food distribution like we see in Acts chapter 6, yes. Deacon of I oversee the technology or oversee this or oversee security, yes, absolutely. But just deacon to be deacon, I don't necessarily see that in Scripture. There's a second catch. And this is where the rubber actually meets the road. I've been preaching all morning to get to this point. We have established, at least in this church, who can fulfill that role, what characteristics they must have, and why they are in place. This is an extremely important and where we will spend the remainder of our time. Look at Acts chapter 6, verse 7. We only read 1 through 6. What happened after the appointment of these first deacons? And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. We see here that once they were appointed and the disciples were able to concentrate on the proclamation of the word and of prayer, the gospel took off. I don't know that it was at a standstill because it does say continued to increase, but it was a continuation or an increase big enough that Scripture noted it. That Scripture said, once this happened, it starts with the word and, meaning once this happened, once deacons were put in place, once the elders or the disciples in this case, once they were allowed and able to focus on specifically what God had called them to do, the gospel did what the gospel does, and it took off. Allowing people to fulfill their calling in the Lord and to serve the needs of the people they are called to serve, the gospel will do what the gospel does, and people will get saved. That is why we do not need a deacon for every little thing. We need deacons or servants because that's the same word, to fulfill specific roles that will open doors for the gospel, that will open avenues up for the gospel. I'm sorry if I step on toes here, but a flower committee or a donut brigade or whatever you want to call it every Sunday, I don't see how that propels the gospel forward. Now, having said that, please someone just keep bringing donuts. That's just for me. Love them. All right. So, just not going to be a deacon of donuts. Okay? So, this is, this is, we have to see why the deacon in place would propel the gospel forward because that is what we see in Scripture. Church, deacons are aid, to aid the church in doing just that, propelling the gospel forward. The word diakonos, again, is used far more times to mean servant than it is to mean deacon. So hopefully we can see how those two terms are roughly interchangeable, even though once you 
are a deacon. That is, again, an official church office. We even see in uh, Acts chapter 6 that they laid their hands on them and appointed them. So there was kind of a ceremony of sorts. So it wasn't just like, Oprah, you're a deacon, you're a deacon, everybody's a deacon, right? So it's not that. It's, it does seem to be a church office, but servant and deacon seem to mean the same things. You just need to serve so that the gospel can go forward. So before anyone thinks that being a deacon or being a servant is a menial task or that serving in this capacity because it rarely gets credit or gets noticed or any of these things, that it's not worth something or that it's not doing anything, I would ask you to look at Scripture. I would ask you to look at Jesus. Because these deacons are the ones acting most like Jesus. Servants are the ones acting most like Jesus. A quote I read yesterday says this, it is only in this Jesus that we learn what diaconia, I hope I'm pronouncing it right, but diaconia really is. The loving service in mercy that looks for no reward beyond the knowledge that we do what is commanded of us and looks for no thanks from those to whom mercy is extended. But it is only because this Jesus has made our cause His very own, sharing our existence in servitude and sharing with us His own life of love that we may and can engage in this kind of diaconia in Him. We serve because Jesus serves us. Because Jesus served when He was here on earth. John chapter 13. You don't have to turn there, but this is where Jesus washes all the feet of the disciples. I don't have to go over again how disgusting that would be. It would be disgusting right now if you whipped your feet out here and expected me to wash them. Much less when you walk around in Birkenstocks and all the stuff, okay? Trevor's got a farm now. He ain't wearing sandals when he's doing all this farm stuff, okay? That's, it's gross. We see Jesus humble himself to be a servant of his servants so that they would have an exact rep representation of what that would look like. Over and over we see Jesus portrayed as deacon or servant. Acts 3.26, God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. Philippians 2.7, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. Matthew 20, 28, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Mark 10, 43-45, but it shall not be so among you, but who, whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be a slave of all. Before you start thinking, that being a servant at a church or being a deacon, which can be a thankless job at times, before you think that, that you, it is beneath you to do that, ask them, then why wasn't it beneath Jesus? Why are you so much higher than Jesus that you can't serve in this way even when no one is noticing? Because this is the reward of the deacon. Look back in 1 Timothy verse 13. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also a great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Being a servant is not an insult. It does not make you less than. And especially when you are called that because you are literally living out the gospel, it is a huge compliment to call you a servant of the gospel, a servant of the risen King. It is a compliment that you are pointing people to Christ Himself through your words and your actions. And in the process, your reward is you get to be more like Him. Every believer, this should be their goal, every 
believer should want to be more like Christ today than they were yesterday or tomorrow than they were today. And we see here, how do we get there? Through service. Through being a servant to all. Being a slave to all, as it says in Mark 10. This is living out the Gospel. It is keeping the Gospel at the center. And guess what? That's what we're about. Keeping the Gospel at the center of our individual lives and our corporate lives. So while we do not have deacons here, let me just say thank you to so, so many people in this room who have been very deacon-like over seven years' time. We have very willing servants here. People have stepped up and stepped up and stepped up and gone through change and, oh, we didn't expect that to happen. Sorry, we've got to change this. We've got to do that. Oh, Parks and Rec, you're closed today? Huh, looks like we're going to meet in Jen and Todd's house again, even though we don't really fit in there anymore. But this is all things that have happened here at this church. And to show you what I mean as to why those little things that seemingly at the moment didn't really, eh, well, whatever. If you've been here for five years or longer, I'm going to pause for just five seconds and I want you to look around the room. How many faces do you see here today that weren't here five years ago? How many faces do you see here that weren't here three years ago? Three months ago? Three weeks ago? Maybe four, if I'm thinking right. This is why we serve. Because people come to know Jesus. This is why, again, we may not have deacons, but we have a ton of servants who have served their tails off for five years so the gospel could be proclaimed, so that more and more people may know Jesus and look around the room. The gospel works. Imagine that. God keeps his promises. This is because of your service. So for that, I want to say as part of your pastoral team, thank you. We are extremely grateful for your service we are extremely grateful that you are committed to the gospel first and then the mission of mission church second thank you for that but let's not rest on our laurels let's not go all right pat it on it pat us on the back now we can rest no no let's re-up let's re-up and let's commit ourselves to serve like christ to serve like jesus so that the gospel may go even farther so that the gospel may do what the gospel always does Christ Jesus came to save sinners. Through our service as elders, as deacons, as church members, as people that are committed to the gospel, more and more sinners can be saved. And that is the goal of this church. So let us serve like Jesus as we go forth, as we, as we worship Jesus, as we make disciples, as we multiply. Let's pray.